Hi there, and welcome back to another podcast episode of NaturallyRecoveringAutism.com. I am your host, Karen Thomas, and if you're new to our show, welcome. And uh, this is also to let you know it's largely for parents, caregivers, uh, people who are helping children on the autism spectrum. And as you may know, I have recovered my own son from his symptoms of autism. And so after I did that, I realized it could be done. And what I wanted to do was share all of the resources. It took me over a decade to collect and go through a lot of trial and error. And today my son is recovered. So I have a lot of valuable things to share with parents. And I do this show to interview experts in various aspects of fields that can benefit children and parents of children on the autism spectrum. So today I have a very special guest. We often hear people say, can autism really, can you really recover a child from autism? And Ron Kaufman is our special guest today. And I'm going to give you a little bit of his background uh, biography here because Ron himself was a child born and diagnosed with severe autism. And today he is fully recovered. And he has developed a program based on what his parents did to help him out. Now, what differs in Ron's and mine, which I think is really uh, important for you, is that we sort of combine things that are both needed. My program is all about the biological aspects. And I'm going to link to my step-by-step -step program or anything that Ron and I talk about in this podcast on the page at naturallyrecoveringautism.com where it's released so that you can, you can focus on being here and not struggle to find a pen and what was that URL or website address or what's the link. And so anything we discuss, I will go ahead and link to that at the bottom of this video where it's released again at naturallyrecoveringautism.com. So without further ado, let me give you a little bit of more of Ron's background. Ron Kaufman is the author of the book, Autism Breakthrough, the groundbreaking method that has helped families all over the world as the director of global education for the Autism Treatment Center of America. Kaufman conducts lectures and seminars worldwide. In his work with families and professionals over the past 20 years, Kaufman brings a very distinctive history. As a young boy, Coffin was diagnosed with severe autism, and his parents developed the Sunrise program to help him, which enabled him to recover completely from his symptoms of autism. And um, so he has today no residual traces. So people ask, can this be done? Well, here's living proof for you, and we're going to go into how that works and why. But... Um, a best-selling book and television movie were made about his story, and uh, Ron also holds a degree in biomedical ethics from Brown University. He's written articles featured in journals such as Autism File and Good Autism Practice, and has been interviewed by media such as National Public Radio, BBC Television, Fox News Channel, and People Magazine. So, Ron... Thank you so much for being here and sharing your story with other parents so that they can help their children with this. And, and I know it gives them hope, but I know they have a lot of questions, so we're, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, thanks for having me. That was, that was quite an introduction. I'm super psyched to be on your show. Well, and as a child, okay, born with severe autism, 
Then your child, your, your parents had a very unique program. They worked with the sensory issues. And I'd like to segue later into the biological because that's my realm. So when my son was diagnosed, he was so toxic that a lot of the behavioral therapies weren't working for him. So what I love that the Sunrise program does and I truly mean this, is that you focus on the individual. Your parents started actually mimicking what you were doing as a child with autism instead of trying different therapies or social therapies or various things that trying to force you to conform in a particular way. They allowed you to be the individual you were. And obviously that has taken flight. Not only are you better, but your program has helped many with it. So could you please explain to our listeners about your Sure, program. absolutely. And, and actually, let's just talk about what, because uh, people have said, oh, maybe you were, you know, you must've been a really mild case or something oh. like that. Mm-hmm. But I actually, I was, a, I was a super severe case. So I had uh, no language at all, uh, no eye contact. I would spend my days doing repetitive behaviors that a lot of people call stims. Uh, so I'd rock back and forth and flap my hands. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is to take kitchen plates put them on the edge and spin them like a top over and over again. I could do that for hours. Uh, my parents were actually told I had a tested IQ below 30. Um, and they, uh, you know, they were told, look, we're, we're really sorry. Um, this is a lifelong permanent condition. Um, when he gets a little older, you're going to want to put him in an institution where he can be properly sort of taken care of. And, and one day we, we do think we might be able to help your son uh, eat with silverware and dress himself. But that's, that's kind of the ceiling of what you could look forward to. And so my parents, were you going to say something? No, I was just, that goes right along with my story with my son. They said, when he was diagnosed, well, you know, they told me to drug him and try a couple of therapies and good luck. But there was, that was, you know, there was nothing that really could be done. And I'm yeah. so glad I didn't listen to them, thankfully. And so go on. <laughs> I know. Well, I, let me just say about that, because I, 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 you know, I meet families every week who've been told these kind of deeply pessimistic messages about their kids, like it's, like it's already been decided. And, um, you know, I just want to say, it's sort of, I think the people that are doing this are, they're endeavoring to be what they think of as humane. Like, listen, the humane thing to do is to get the parent to realize right away, there's not a lot to look forward here and get them to accept that piece about their child's future as soon as possible. Um, so I, you know, I'd like to believe that the intention behind that is coming from a good place, but the, what actually happens is, as you know, as a parent, it's completely devastating to a parent to hear this about their child, and it's not actually true. Right. Like it, it's, it, I guess it's true if you do nothing, but mm-hmm. if there, there's, there's, lots of, there's lots of options. And so anyway, my parents, they, they you know, and keep in mind, this is decades ago, right? Uh, they turned their backs on these dire predictions and prognoses. They took me home. Uh, they developed their own home-based, very much child-centered program where they worked with me for a little over three years. Now, we can talk more about exactly what they did, but at the end of that time period, and they, they called it the Sunrise Program, and they spelled it S-O-N because I was their son. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> obviously, we worked with girls and boys, of course. But, but uh but yeah, they, they named it after me in, in essence, and they, they worked with me for a little over three years. And at the end of that period, um, like you said, with your own child, I mean, I, I recovered not, um, I didn't learn how to cope. I didn't learn how to pass. 
super neurotypical. I actually recovered, meaning like from the, I know that's even a controversial word to use. I totally get that. Um, and I'm not trying to be controversial. In, in my case, it's just a statement of fact, because what happened was, was I just lived out the rest of my life, you know, went to regular schools, had friends, fell in love, like all these things I was never supposed to do. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, really um, sort of this idea, like I'm not trying to um, act a certain way or sort of cope in a certain way. For me, I just feel like a regular neurotypical guy from the inside out. So when I say recovered, I'm not even, I'm not even talking about the way I act. I can do X behavior. I'm actually talking about the way I feel and my actual experience of my life. Right. And parents sometimes say, you know, it's not right to try to change these kids and I, you know, make them something different. I agree. So why put them in a therapy that's trying to force them to conform to behave a certain way? And I'm not saying we should change who they are at all. They're brilliant, amazing human beings. But if they can't sleep at night and their anxiety and sensory issues are so intense, they can't sit in a classroom and learn and they can't be around people or make friends because their social issues are so intense for them. There are so many health issues involved that, you know, the toxins and all of these other things, if, if they're not comfortable, healthy and happy, then why would you want to leave them in that state? We want to be able to help them in any way that we can, but naturally, not in a forced way. Not in an invasive and coercive way. Exactly. That's a really big thing from where, where, we, where we come from at the, because mm -hmm. actually I'll just, for a quick backstory, so my dad, I, I then recover. My dad writes, my dad, his name is Barry Neil Kaufman. He's written like 12 or 13 books. And he writes this book called Sunrise, The Miracle Continues. It then becomes a major bestseller. Then NBC television actually then decides to make a movie out of it, which also is seen by many, many millions of people in the United States and Europe. So then people start to come to us for help. And so then my parents founded in 1983, a nonprofit organization uh, now known as the Autism Treatment Center of America. And that's where we do, we teach parents, professionals, et cetera, how educators, how to implement uh, the techniques of the Sunrise program, which, which you and I can certainly talk about today. Yes, definitely. I mean, a lot of parents might say, well, you know, you're, you're following them doing these different behaviors. How can that be beneficial? Wouldn't that maybe make them worse or stay the way that they are? Yes, and I and I, you know, I continue to get that question, so I'm glad you asked it. Mm -hmm. Let me let me back up a little bit because I, I want to say something about that's both different about the Sunrise Program's approach, but also just about our own and my own understanding of autism itself. Um, when someone when someone's doing like one of those therapies that you were sort of noting earlier, oftentimes the focus is they look at the child and they they see a bunch of behaviors and they say, how do we stamp out the ones we don't want, and train in the ones we do want. Um, but those behaviors are symptoms, not causes. So what we say is, at, at, the, at the core of, of a lot of what's going on, in addition to any biological issues, there's this social relational challenge, not a behavioral issue. And so rather that means rather than trying to uh, force these children to conform to a world they don't yet understand, we start by entering their world first. So instead of saying, how do we change a behavior? We actually ask, how do we create a relationship with this child or this adult? And how do we, how do we get them to want to relate to us? Not because we force them into it, because they want to. 
So one of the first things we do is a technique we call joining, which you are alluding to. Um, now, I will tell you, joining, even though it's the first step in the Sunrise Program, is also the most controversial because of exactly what you just brought up, which is people go, well, hold, hold on a second. When we join with a child, we're taking their repetitive behaviors, what people call stints, right? And instead of trying to stop or even redirect that, we're actually uh, participating in that and doing that with them. If a child's lining up objects, little cars, we get our own little cars and we line them up. If a child's saying a particular line from a movie, we start saying line from the same movie, right? So we're, we're um, now people then say, isn't that going to make him do it more? I mean, isn't that the worst thing you could do? Mm -hmm. um, and that is, that can only be asked if the person hasn't yet tried it, which is fair enough, right? Mm -hmm. I, I can see if you've never tried it, you might wonder that. Yeah. Two things, two things about that. Number one is, is um, if understanding what autism is, if our kids were uh, taking all of their behavioral and social cues from us, they wouldn't be diagnosed on the spectrum, right? <laughs> so, so this idea that some child who's like lining up objects is doing it for four hours a day, but he sees his mom do it with him and he's like, you know, I've been doing it for four hours a day, but now that I see mom doing it, I'm going to five. Right? I mean, that, that's just a preposterous idea. That's not how our kids are thinking we're operating, right? The other piece about it is, is, is that is to understand what it actually does too, which is that um, it's at, you know, some people call it, you know, copying or imitating. It's not really copying and imitating. What it is, is it's creating a bond around a common interest, yes. which by the way, People, people, before autism was on anyone's map, just human beings have been relating to each other that way for thousands of years. So it's not new to the human race. It's just might be different for what people are used to with autism, right? Because so what we're doing is different. What's right? that? Because the behaviors are different from what people think is the norm. And they're like, well, I don't want to do that or have him keep doing that or embarrass himself in public. Yes, and, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because the idea becomes how do I, and again, the intention behind it is always, is always good, but the idea is like, how do I get him to act more normal mm -hmm. so that either he looks more normal to me or he looks more normal in public or whatever, but the problem is when you start from that point of view, it, it, it misses a very important step, which is first, let me understand where, why my child's doing what they're doing, where they're coming from, what they need from me. Um, one of the things we say a lot is that in the Sunrise Program, the children show us the way in first, and then we show them the way out. And then it, it has to be in that order. Because if we jump to the second half, we're not actually relating to them in a, in a way that they can understand and in a way where they'll want to relate to us. So this is what happened actually with my mom. It's kind of cool. So remember how I said I used to spin plates? Right? Mm -hmm. um, so I'd spin plate on its edge. I do this over and over again. and um, everyone told my mom, you know, don't do this. This is going to make him do it more. Um, when she did it though, that was the first time I ever smiled at her. First time I started looking at her. First time I ever um, started including her in my play. Mm -hmm. And actually she found that the more she did this, mm -hmm. the less I did it, but not because she was trying to redirect me out of it. It was just that I was spending more of my time interacting with her and less of my time doing that. And I also had, um, uh, oftentimes our kids have such sensory processing issues. Then we come into those kids who have these sensory processing issues where all the sensory stimuli is already too much for them. We come in and then we try and stop them from doing 
what they're actually trying to do to cope and to take care of themselves and to soothe themselves. So when we come the other way around it and we actually say, I love what you love. I'm interested in what you're interested in. Then first of all, they don't have to put all that energy into blocking us out. Right. right? And secondly, we start to build a kind of a trust that makes a lot of other things possible. Absolutely. It really is about trust and, and them understanding that they're the acceptance there too. Absolutely. Um, yeah. That's such an important word you just said, because um, I, look, my point of view is I, I can't speak for every child on the spectrum, but with a lot of my experience with the kids and, and adults, verbal and nonverbal that we work with is that there is a pervasive experience that a lot of these people have that is not being accepted by all the people around them who are actually trying to help them, right? No one's trying to be mean to them, right? But their experience is, is not, they, they're not mind readers. They don't know all everybody's good reasons. All they know is everyone is constantly saying, stop doing what you want, do what I want. Everyone's constantly stamping out what feels good for them to do. And then after stamping it out, they're saying, so don't you want to interact with us and do our stuff? When we've just completely alienated that child or adult and broken the very sort of trust and relationship that we're going to need later when we are teaching them new things and asking them to come our way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I would imagine too, you, you've got kids who are extremely severe and stimming and nonverbal. And then you've got, which we call a spectrum disorder, autism spectrum. Everybody's so different. Then you might have a child with things like Asperger's where they're a much milder form and um, they, maybe they're not stimming. And so uh, a lot of these kids go undiagnosed for a long time because of that. Um, so what, what do you do with those kids as well? Because they might not be doing those behaviors. Yes, that's an excellent point. And actually, so here's the thing. Um, the first thing I always say is, <laughs> if for someone, let's say they have a child or adult with Asperger's syndrome, so they're, they're mm -hmm. highly verbal, right? They're, they're not lining up objects. They're not flapping their hands. They're not doing any of that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're not repeating the same exact line from a movie over and over again, mm -hmm. even, right? And so parents then say to me, so my child's not doing a stim or what we call an ism. But let's say they say they're not doing a stim, to which we say, actually, they are, but it just doesn't look like what we think of as an autism stim, like hand flapping and lining things up. So what if, you know, all the people I've interacted with who are, who have what we call Asperger's syndrome or are highly verbal, they don't do that stuff, but they do stuff like they have a favorite subject. Let's say they love airplanes and they can tell you about all the different models of airplanes that the U.S. Air Force has constructed over the last 50 years and what the wingspan is and right, all that. I, I actually had a little boy I interacted with a little while ago, a couple of years back, who was really into toilets and then researched toilets and the flushing mechanisms all over the world. Actually, it's shockingly fascinating. I was pretty uh -oh. into this subject. Yes. So he's, he's talk, he had a whole following on the internet. Cause like, turns out there's a whole community really into toilets, uh -huh. but anyway, he's, he was really into it and he could talk about toilets with you for an hour or two, you know, easy. Right. And of course, what's everyone doing? Everyone's saying, all right, let's move on from the toilet conversation or Hey, grandma's when she gets here, she's not going to want to hear about toilets. <laughs> Right. So again, we're doing the same thing. Stop doing what you love. Stop doing what you want to conform to what I want. Right. So what we do in that case, and this is a perfect example of how joining isn't just copying is 
let's say when that little boy was talking to me about toilets, the first thing I did was listen with like intense interest and anticipation. So he's first talking, I'm just like, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm really getting into what he's sincerely, I'm not like mimicking it. I'm like, truly interested right right and you, um, you have i've heard them called the the they have like a bs radar you know they know when people are not being real so be real that is the <laughs> truth man yeah. that's the truth yeah oh so my gosh they have an incredible bs radar yeah. yes <laughs> yeah yeah so and that's actually what you just said it's actually touches on another really important thing that we spend a lot of time on in the sunrise program which is the um the emotional state and the attitude of either the parent or the educator um, i kind of feel like this is the most overlooked area when it comes to dealing with our kids because everyone's focusing on what to do mm -hmm. but not how you're being mm -hmm. yes yes exactly and and i you know we have seen over and over again for the past 35 years that um you know you can get two therapists they're, they're even let's say they're doing the same kind of therapy but a child reacts completely differently to one than another mm -hmm. because it, their own, um, the person's own emotional state and comfort level, that child has like their radar out there, they have their antenna, and they're trying to detect, is this person a threat or is this person safe and welcoming? Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest ways you tell a child that is your own attitudinal sort of, uh, your own your own emotional state in that moment so we actually focus on that as well um, one thing I would also add is that the joining thing that we've just been talking about is just that first step so it's not saying that all we do is we just join kids and then they magically you know, <laughs> learn all this new stuff right this is how we build that connection where the child's actually interested in us and then there's other things we do which we can talk about that involve uh, sort of enticing the child more into our world and to try different things that they haven't tried before. Right. Yeah. That's what with with my my program I do the biological aspects of dealing with yeah. natural heavy metal detoxification and brain support and repair and everything is completely natural. My my background is that I'm a craniosacral therapist. So when my son was diagnosed, I luckily had these aspects um, to 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 go from. I had a lot of knowledge about the brain and how much it could heal if it had been miswired originally. And so people will say, you know, you start out healing the gut that like just very like baby step one, which is a big piece is healing the gut and starting with diet. And people say, well, you, you know, you can't completely recover a child with autism with diet alone. And I say, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> you know, it's, you, you, you can definitely get them better and see results a lot most of the time, but there's a lot more to it. That's just, you know, beginning. So it's the same thing with, with yours. You're, you're this joining aspect is step one. And then where do you go after joining in the Sunrise program? What else do you do? Oh, okay. So basically we have this, um, this concept that I have, I've just never heard and I've been all over the world and in autism circles. I've actually never heard this concept articulated that I'm about to say other than where I, other than here at the Autism Treatment Center of America where I work, which is this idea, this idea that our children, um, they, at any given moment of the day, if they're on the spectrum, they have, they're either giving us a red light or a green light. And that, that's a bit about their, um, it's sort of like their brain state. Either they're in a place where they're, they're overloaded and they're trying to take care of themselves and, it's, 
and they're, they're, they're not able in those moments to take in new information, do something different. So we, when, when people notice that their child is, let's say their child's stimming, their child's not looking at them, their child, they call their child's name, their child's not really list, like responding, right? Or their child's being very um, kind of rigid about how things have to go. All of those we would say are signs of a, of a red light, which is the brain's like overloaded and they're saying, hey guys, no es posible for me to do, take in any information, follow orders, play a game with my sister, like this is not the time for this, right? Mm -hmm. So then there's other times when that same child will be, will be looking, will be engaged, will be willing to go your way on things. And that's when we say they're, they're sort of like, their brain state is that, that it's open for business, right? And it's, they can try new things, they can learn new things. And what, um, what we do is we spend a, a lot of focus, and we show parents this too, how to, when they're with their child or adult, how to see, is that child or adult giving them a red or a green light? And if the light is red, then we don't try and get that child to do stuff. That's when we do that joining technique we were just talking about. We do the joining technique until the light goes green, which means we're not scheduling in 15 minutes to join and then we do our way. We do it until the child gives us a signal that their brain state's shifted in that session. And then when we have a green light, we, we actually do this kind of fun thing where we take whatever's um, that child's motivated by. Maybe they love Teletubbies or physical play or airplanes or science fiction themes or whatever. And we build like an interactive game that has, that's around that subject, but then also has an educational goal in it, whether it's verbal communication or eye contact or even uh, able to be more flexible, that kind of thing. So we're always going back and forth between like bonding by joining and going into the child's world and then uh, challenging the child when the child's in a place where they can actually be ready for that and handle that and enjoy that based on reward, but not using punishment alternatively. And then this is the other aspect of, you know, people might, parents often will, they'll have a, a, an appointment scheduled with a therapist. Well, if that's a bad time for the child, they're not going to get anywhere. And, you know, it, it, I know that it's harmful to the self-esteem of the child as well when they want to do things can't and they're not in a space because I, I watch that happen for my own son. So I am very focused on definitely the right sensory programs because it does damage their self-esteem in the long run if you're trying to force them. So you want to be able to make it work for them and, and help them to be successful in the outcome. And that's where the parents have so much really power in, is that they can, they're with a the child 24 seven. So, you know, okay. You know, some, some have to go to school. Okay. There's that aspect, but you might say, okay, this time, you know, at this moment, we're seeing that we're getting a red light. So we're going to do what needs to be done now. Then when they get the green light, they can need what, do what needs to be done at home. But they're not in some schedule they have to follow because that's their appointment time. Yes. They're not trying to, yes, this is because it, it's ultimately incredibly arbitrary to the child. Mm -hmm. So from three to four, we do this and four to five, we do this. Why? Right. This has nothing to do with whether I'm actually in a state where I'm ready for it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, absolutely. It's, it's like built around the child. One thing I just want to add to something you said before, really, really quick, which is just that um, one of the things that, that can feel different about this also, and this, this is only during the green light part that I'm about to talk about, which is when, a when we have a green light and the child's interacting, 
we build um, activities around what they what they love, like I was talking about, but we don't use it as a, a traditional reward. So if a child likes Teletubbies, we don't say, hey, listen, do this thing I want, look in my eyes or say this word or whatever, then I'll let you play with the Teletubbies. We actually say, um, you like Teletubbies? We love Teletubbies, let's play Teletubbies. And we start with a game that's just fun for the child around the Teletubbies. Once the child's engaged, then we might add a part of the game that does entail the child doing something, but it's not, they're not doing it to get a reward. The game's already, already interesting to them. They're, they're just doing it as part of the game. It's, it's like the difference between um, if you teach a, a girl to count to five by drawing five circles, or you, she loves dinosaurs and you play a dinosaur game where you each have a team of five dinosaurs. And so, oh, it turns out part of the game ends up, I have to figure out my, my team of five. So that's just part of the game. Rather than saying, if you count to five, I'll give you a reward, which we find uh, can, what, what can happen with that is it can sort of turn um, anything that might be enjoyable into a sort of rote, robotic task mm -hmm. that they're just doing to get the reward without actually really getting the context of why they're learning it and that it could be fun and that they could do it even when someone's not rewarding them for it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, and these kids come in uh, different, so we don't want to try to make, you know, nobody should be made to conform to somebody else's way. And it's yes. usually, you know, the, the parent is more, <laughs> a lot of times concerned about how it might makes them feel uh, if the child doesn't behave properly, or it's hard to take them into public. So what do I do? So um, you're, I'm sure, giving them some some skills and things that they can do um, along the way with that as well. And you said your you you took about three years with for your your own personal story. It was about three years that your parents. Yeah, it's a little over. It's almost three and a half. Um, yeah, and and are honestly, there's you know when someone does a sunrise program with their child or adult. Uh, and it can be an adult. Um, it's it it varies enormously. I, I've actually the short some of the shortest ones I've seen was there was a there's a few kids who were like nine months later they were unrecognized they were like completely different kids. Mm -hmm. um, but then others are three years or four years. So everyone's on their own journey. We're we're not trying to make a sort of cookie cutter exactly uh, kid right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, slow and steady and. And safe and all of that. I, I definitely absolutely for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually, one one thing, uh, Karen, that I was thinking as you were talking about um, what you did, which is so so amazing and so awesome with your son, I'm just so excited about it. A um, couple of things about that. Number one, many people don't know this because uh, you know it's not it's not maybe the first step in a sunrise program, but it is something we do a lot. Which is when my when my parents were working with me, they were one of the um, they were one of the first parents like in the world to do dietary intervention. They actually did that with me when I was a kid. They okay. drastically changed my diet. They cut out all dairy, all sugar, all artificial colors, artificial flavors. They did not cut out gluten, which we now know to do because no, back then everyone thought wheat was the healthiest thing on the right. earth. Right? Right. Um, and in truth, the wheat was less toxic back then. It, right. was, it was less toxic. Um, but anyway, um, and we've modified that. We don't, do recommend the same thing, exact diet my parents did with me. But my parents did that, and I was getting life-threatening ear infections on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. As soon as they did the, these, inter, these dietary interventions, that immediately stopped. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm a huge proponent of, 
of the kinds of things that you've done. Mm -hmm. And one other thing I'll say about it is just that there's this, um, there's this concept I was talking about with a doctor um, from Pennsylvania, his name was Dr. Faber. And um, there's this idea of the difference between um, physiologically I'm talking about, a fight or flight survival mode and what you could call a recovery mode. And so the way that I see this really kind of synergistic relationship between what we're doing in the Sunrise program and what you've done and are doing and are continuing to do is that um, when you're doing dietary intervention or chelation or anything that someone's doing to help their child biologically, right, then a, a big you know, you want the body to be in a position where they can actually use these interventions, you know, where the body can respond to these, to these things that you're doing. And one of the things that, that um, this doctor was saying that why he really loved these techniques of the Sunrise program, that some of which he was using in his hospital with his kids with autism, was that um, he was testing these kids and they had el chronically elevated levels of cortisol, which uh, the stress hormone cortisol, right? That's a a sign of fight or flight, right? Mm -hmm. And that when he started um, joining these kids, um, focusing on having a really comfortable attitude and also putting them in an environment that wasn't overstimulating, which is another piece of our program, um, he found that these levels of cortisol would, for the first time, dropping into normal ranges. Mm -hmm. And that was then, the, the body could then engage in more like sustained physiological repair so what, what was kind of cool was this idea of like, let's say you're, you're doing a dietary intervention or you're supplementing or whatever, then um, you, you, don't want the you don't want the child's body in this fight or flight mode because fight or flight mode, right? The digestive system shuts down, the immune system shutting down. They're not in that repair mode. So what we're, the way this works, number one, we see a lot of Sunrise Program kids do better faster when they're doing these kinds of interventions you're talking about. Absolutely. And then the other side is then those interventions can do their work when the child's not in fight or flight mode. That's why we call it the recovery mode, when the mm -hmm. child can actually process and recover based on the treat, the biological things you're doing. Exactly. That's why, you know, the, what I found with my, my son is that, you know, we were told, okay, try some social behavioral, ther behavioral therapies. And at the time, I didn't know it. This is 12 years ago now. But at the time, I didn't know it, and his brain was so toxic that he literally couldn't think. He would even sometimes say, Mom, I want to, but I can't. And it just tore me up as a mom, you know, because I saw it hurting his self-esteem. And, and again, as a mom, you don't want that to be the case. Now that I've learned what I've learned, exactly. I mean, you're helping any therapies or anything you're trying to get you know, any therapist out by getting rid of those toxins, but you're also helping their own body and their brain. And everything I do is fully natural. Um, I do it in what I call the three stages. Again, first is healing the gut and all that that implies because the gut controls the brain. And then, and so much of it in the brain, a lot of the brain's messengers are made in the gut. Opiates, literally opiates, caseomorphins and gluteomorphins from dairy and wheat are created from those products in the gut and in the body so the child is actually addicted to those products somebody a lot of people yeah. say oh my kid just craves carbohydrates and sugars yes because yeah. of the opiates and because they usually have candida and pathogenic bacteria in their gut that feeds off of those sugars so it's literally like an addict craving it and we then that too but yeah. go on yeah and then the natural heavy metal detoxification because and i have a whole whole group of reasons why the natural 
product that I use specifically is very safe. It doesn't allow for reabsorption of those toxins back into the system, like DMSA, the usual pharmaceutical one does. Um, and it will only take out the good thing, uh, the, the bad things, not the good. It doesn't take out calcium and magnesium and all the good minerals like DMSA does. And then there's brain support repair, which is the therapies in the, you know, whether it's, uh, you're either you're doing something like the Sunrise program or you're doing uh, neurofeedback and craniosacral therapy and things that help their brain to come back to balance because if their brain is too toxic, they, they, they can't do these things. But once, once these toxins are removed from their system and they're back in balance, then they're able to, in fact, my son never, and I tell people this, he was one, his, just his case, he never had to go back to therapies of any kind. We didn't have the social aspect therapies. Um, and so once I got those toxins out, so I really see that both ends are needed. The, 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 you know, the sensory for those who need it and, and knowing how to work with your child, but then also you've got to help their biology so that they're not in this fight or flight aspect and that they can get better. I, I have a free workshop actually, and I'll link to it at the bottom of this page. So if parents want to learn a little bit more about what I just said, then they can do that as well. And I do have a step-by-step -step program um, called the Autism Moms Mentor Program or the Naturally Recovering Autism Membership Program that I'll link to as well. And, and, and you can learn more all about that at naturallyrecoveringautism.com. But I like parents to know about it, to have that option because there's so much information out there and it's so confusing and you don't know what product is really quality and what isn't. And the trial and error, I spent over $150,000 of my own money figuring out and my book took me six years to write alone. I mean, just, just the, the amount of research and looking into things and then personal trial and error to see what worked. And then, you know, it takes a lot. So I thought once my son got recovered and I knew what to do, I thought, why not give that to parents and say, here, if you want a step-by-step -step walkthrough, here it is. Because I know personally as a parent of a child with autism or once who was diagnosed with autism, that uh, that sense of, you know, uh, you know, you're just really distraught and you're struggling to find those answers and, and the worry and so, and, and wanting to get your child better, but not knowing how, how do I do this? And how, so um, I, I really value what you're doing too, because again, uh, the behavioral therapies that they tried with my son, were trying to take that, you know, that square peg and push it into a round hole. And yeah you don't do that at the sunrise program you honor the the child and you empower the parent and that that is those are the two keys yeah the, actually I, I love that i never said it that way but i love that because actually yeah we're focusing on honoring the child and then empowering the parent to be able to have the tools to just like you are doing right to help their own child um as you know you you are a parent but like we i talk with parents so often we kind of feel once they get the diagnosis, they kind of feel pushed aside. I mean, the number of moms I've talked to have been literally told this sentence, well, you're just a mom, like yes. just a mom, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the thing that we see is actually, there's no one better equipped to help their child than the parent. No one loves their child like a parent loves them. No one's committed like a parent's committed. Parents not gonna be gone in two years like some therapists, they're in it for the long haul. Right. And no one really has the day in day out experience with their own child that a, that a parent has mm -hmm. and so we're, we we feel like parents aren't in the way they are the way they, like that's 
when we see a parent change how they are with their kids, that's always when we see the biggest change in the child, always. Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, I mean, obviously my whole life is the way it is only because my two parents helped me when everyone else had given up on me. Right. And it had, what if they had been told you couldn't, well, they were told you couldn't get better. And here you are today, a Brown University graduate. You are in your 40s, is that correct, somewhere now? That is correct. I'm 45. I don't mind talking about that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if people are listening and they're wondering, you know, it's, it's just that to see something. My son is now 22 years old. He lives away on his own at college. There was a day when I, like your parents, thought, is that ever going to be possible? Can my child live an independent, healthy, happy life? And today he is. And, and we as parents, you know, there's a big concern of what happens to my child if something happens to me if I'm his caretaker. And so we want to do, get the child to their optimum results. And that can vary for every child, but we, you know, we don't want to just take them halfway. We want to give them all that we can, but knowing how to is the key. And so that's where yeah. having these specific tools is so important. And, and it's really easy to feel lost. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Lost and alone. People won't listen to you. My husband and I were told, um, you know, it's our fault because we weren't firm enough with discipline oh. and we <laughs> we were letting him control us with his behavior and we weren't basically it was us and I, wow. multiple therapists told us this not just one and I finally just stopped I'm like I've had it with this I'm gonna figure this out for myself it's obvious I'm not gonna get the help from these people they don't know what to do they don't know my child and <laughs> I'm, I'm just I, you know, I knew that I needed to, to, to figure it out myself and, and I did. And thank God I didn't just listen to them when they told me just drug them and good luck. It's not going to get better. And thank God that your parents did the same thing. They didn't just listen to other people telling them it couldn't be done or, you know, or don't let people give you false hope. You know, that's another one, right? I mean, yes, yes. I, I actually, have people say that exact thing to me, like with fair amount of frequency. By the way, not parents. Parents, parents aren't coming to me saying, "Please don't give me hope for my child," right? right. But, but definitely some some people from other backgrounds would have said, "You know, aren't aren't you worried you're giving parents false hope?" And and I'm always like, "Well, hold on a second, right? If I were giving them some sort of promise, I guarantee you do these techniques, you get your child exactly like me." Fair enough. That would be problematic. I wouldn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. right? But hope isn't a promise. Hope is saying, I'm willing, I'm willing to give this a chance. I'm willing to try. I'm willing to believe in my child that my child's capable of more, even if I don't know exactly what that more is. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to just, the biggest thing for me is like this idea of like, let's not decide in advance all the things our kids are supposedly not going to be able to do. Exactly. You're taking a two-year-old or even an eight-year-old or a 15-year-old and deciding for the next 30 or 40 years what that person is never going to be able to do, when it really, that's just somebody's wild guess. It means nothing, right? So we're, we, I feel really strongly about this, this idea of like hope can't be false, right? But actually, the bigger danger isn't false hope, it's false pessimism. It's all the people making these predictions like they know something about like they're psychic, you know what I mean? And so we just say, look, we wanna give every child every chance to do that. Where we start is we say, look, because we don't know, like we can't, we're not psychic and we can't see the future. What we say is the only ethical thing we can do then is 
just treat every child and adult we start with as capable of full recovery. Does that mean they all fully recover? Not in our case, no. But some do and some don't. And we don't want to be, we don't want to be the thing holding them back, like us adults, by saying, oh, he probably can't do that. He probably won't be able to do that. She probably won't be able to do that. So we want to like give them every chance and then let the let the child's potential come out, go as far as they can go. Who, who's hurt by that? Who can be hurt by that? Exactly. What is it, what yeah. is it going to hurt? If you, you yeah. know, get your child on a healthy, the right diet and you're getting the toxins out of their system and you're giving them the support to, to grow as a human being in their best way possible. That's, that's, you know, that's gold. I mean, really everybody should be doing that for their child, regardless of whether they're diagnosed with autism or not. You know, it really is a matter of just, um, you know, doing the right, natural, safe and healthy things and and letting them be who they are. And And, um, yeah, yeah, just, we don't know what the outcome is. I was like Michael Jordan's high school teacher, uh, high school PE teacher, you know the story, <laughs> told him he would never be a good basketball player. He should quit. He'd never be any good. Oh, yes. did he go on to... My, my dad, who you know, was not on the spectrum or anything, right? But my dad was told um, that in high school that he, would, he was such a bad writer, he would never make it through college. And he's written... 12 books, you know? And so it's like, yeah, it's just, it's just someone's guess. That's what I'm always telling parents. It's somebody's guess. It it means not, it doesn't mean any more than any other guess about anything. Like, oh, it'll rain 10 weeks from now. Like, that's just my guess. I have no idea. So uh, I think that's important. The other thing I was going to say that you reminded me of when you were talking is this idea of like, when, you know, there's such a focus on like, um, something's wrong, we gotta fix it right now. Mm-hmm. Not that we don't wanna help our child if they're like in all the ways that you help them, if they're having a biological issue, of course we wanna help them. But the thing that I also think um, is important is like helping a parent uh, or an educator for that matter to really um, enjoy and delight in the child they have right now, even before all those other changes happen. Like if, they're con- if you're constantly like, okay, I'll feel good about my child when he talks in complete sentences. I'll feel good about my child when this happens. Like, then you never get to actually have the child that you have right now. Right. Because I'll be happy when. So instead of thinking when that happens, be happy now. Be accepting now. Understand. And then also, I really believe in that law of attraction aspect of if you, you know, if you feel like you're worried and and you you think, oh my gosh, my child's never going to get better. What can I do? And you're just frantic and you're just fearful all the time. You're just drawing more and more of that in, or you believe those naysayers and pessimists that, that tell you that things can't get better. Then, then you're in trouble. You've got to just believe and feel almost act as though the future is now like, you know, my, I really look forward to my child getting better. And Oh, wow, I wonder what their what their future and what their optimum results will look like. All right? I mean, it's it's just keeping yourself in that right optimistic more of a promising frame of mind because that's healthier for you anyway. The parents are are so stressed out. They're in the fight or flight. Their adrenals are taxed all the time. They're having trouble sleeping yes. like the kids. Yes. I mean, it's yes. intense. I I can't the testimonials that come in and I'm sure you get them too from about the children and their progress is amazing. But then the families are like, you have changed our whole family because, yeah. you know, 
you know, they now know that what can be possible and that they're, you know, they're not living in that state anymore and they, they have the tools and they, um, you know, they're just not having to, to feel so lost anymore because I, again, I remember what that's like searching and trying to get help and people were really not helping you and you go out in public and yeah, my child had the therapist said that, um, who was a specialist in autism spectrum disorders, she said that my son had the worst case of oppositional defiance disorder she'd ever seen. He had anxiety, sensory issues, sleeping, wake up with debilitating stomach aches at 3 a.m. You know, doctor's not seeing that. I am, right? 3 a.m. screaming from stomach aches. But, you know, all of those things. So you go out in public with oppositional defiance disorder, and what does it look like? It looks like you're a bad parent. <laughs> it looks like, can't you, you know, you get the looks from people, like, can't you control your child? And then you feel worse, and, you know, the whole thing. And then you start isolating yourself. And this is big with parents of autism, and they need support, which is definitely what I offer in my program, and I'm sure you do too, because they need a community of people who understand what it's like and who who say you're not at fault here you didn't do anything wrong and this is what we can do let's look at what we can do absolutely those people just if you don't have a child with autism you just don't know what it's truly like that that is that is true um you know it it reminds me too as you're talking another thing that we um spent some time in in our we have a program called the sunrise program startup it's like the it's what the first person someone would take. It's like a five-day training program that we have on our campus. And we have like a, you know, we have a hundred acre huge campus, like a university essentially. But anyway, um, one of the things we address in that program also is building a support team around you and, and actually training them to support you and also to be with your child in a way that that is consistent with, at least with what we're teaching or with what you would want for your own child. Um, so yeah, having that, having that, support around you is so helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, uh, how can people listening learn more about the sunrise program? Cause you, you, I know that you've recently also opened an online program. Mine, mine's online as well. So you have your on site, which you said is five day, and then you have an online one as well. So, um, I definitely want to link to those on our site. So, um, if you want to go ahead and, and mention what those are now, and then I will definitely link to those at naturallyrecoveringautism.com. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, so let me, let me just take those separately for a second. Okay. So we have this, like I said, this, this huge hundred acre campus that says like, I don't know, 12, 10 or 11, 12, 11 or 12 buildings on it. So it's like, it's like a, a university in a sense. And people, and it's, it's gorgeous. It's like right in the mountains of the Berkshires. It's so cool. But anyway, people come here from over a hundred different countries and our, our startup program where it's so great because a parent, if you're a parent in that course, you're in with like a bunch of other parents who are going through what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And then we, that program, you actually come without your child. You learn all the techniques over five days, like a Monday through Friday. And we provide, we provide all food and lodging and everything for you. So you don't have to like think about that. You just have to get here. Nice. And then, uh, so then we do that for five days and then you go home and you implement it. And then we have more advanced courses um, and other ways that lots of other ways that we can help you. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited about that. By the way, we also have, because we're a nonprofit, we raise money all year to provide financial aid for parents. So for instance, that program, just as an, an example, including all room and board and everything, um, is normally $2,200. But then there's a financial aid form that if someone has financial difficulties, they can fill that out. It's one side of one sheet of paper. So it's not like you're filling out a book and, and then we can help you if you need help. So that's awesome. 
Um, if someone wants, by the way, to know more about that one, they would go to autismtreatment.org, autismtreatment.org. Um, they can find out more about the startup there. There's a few things they can get there. Uh, also, right on the homepage, there'll be a picture of my, my face like this, my bald head, and it will basically say it also has two dates, one in the middle of uh, uh, April and one in the middle of May, where I'm doing um, a lecture in New York City and a lecture in Boston that just gives people some, some overview tools they can start using immediately. Um, so they can click more, find out about that. They can also book a call with one of our program advisors. That's at no charge. We don't charge for that. You spend like a half an hour on the phone. You get your questions answered. You can do all of that through the website. Of course, they could call us. Um, our number is 413-229-2100. Calling us also is a good idea if they specifically want to talk to someone um, that can just answer all their questions. So there's that. And this, those startup programs happen throughout the year. Um, however, you mentioned this one thing that I have to spend a couple of minutes talking about because I'm so excited about it. I really think it's going to help parents that normally just could never get here. Yes. Um, so... We have, because um, like I said, if there's all these countries and all these different places, not everyone can get here. Right. And um, we just, I and also our senior team of teachers just like just about killed ourselves over the last two and a half years making this thing. Like working weekends and vacations because it was like a, a, a labor of love. So what this is, is we took what people are going to get in this startup course and we turned it into an online course. And when I say that, I don't mean we filmed some lectures and now you take it online and you watch someone give a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> we turned it into this completely interactive. Uh, it's fun. There's a little animated boy on the spectrum who guides you through some of it. You have, there's, there's quizzes to test what you know. Everything's really like, everything's done in like 10 minute chunks. So you don't have to sit there for five yeah. hours at a time. So it's, it's great. And it actually takes place over nine months, although you can do it faster. Um, and there's different things like there's, Four straight months of that is we're giving you this thing where we tell you exactly what activity to do every single day for four months. So there's all this stuff where we kind of hold your hand and guide you through it. Mm -hmm. Every little chapter has a little um, a make it what we call a make it happen sheet where it uh, sort of uh, summarizes all the main techniques and then gives you some homework to do with your child that will help you implement that technique. So and that one, remember, I don't know if you. Recall, I was saying the startup is $2,200. This is um, $875. Um, it was $1,275, and it's on, it's on uh, a discount, so you can get it for $875. Um, there is also some financial aid available for that if someone's really struggling also. But it's also, you can watch it on your, you know, you can do it on your phone, you can do it on your computer, you can do it on, you can use it on up to four devices, so it's like you and your spouse and like, someone who's working with your child can all do it. Mm -hmm. So it's really, it's, I really think for, for accessibility, um, it came out at the end of September of last year, and we have um, 59 countries already so far have people logged on who are doing it. So I'm very, I just, anyone who wants it, oh, and that's a different website. You could okay. go to um, doautismdifferently.org, doautismdifferently.org. Okay. 
Yeah, uh, the beauty of online for this this worldwide connection is amazing. Uh, my program as well as online and within less within the first year it was already in 25 countries. I mean, it's just exploding and people can, you know, you could be in a small place in Africa and you're able to get the resources, you know, because they're isolated in a lot of these places or they don't have the funds to travel or, you know, it's just- Or visa issues. Visa issues, <laughs> especially in that yeah. seems to be growing a bit as well. Uh, yeah. And then simplicity you mentioned as well. I do the same thing. My videos are between two and seven minutes max because I, I know how it feels. I mean, you're already overwhelmed. You don't need to come into this mass of information. You want to know how to do it. What am I supposed to do? What, how do I do it exactly right now? And don't give me any fluff and fillers and all this extra stuff because I, I'm too insane already and I got too much going on. <laughs> I've got kids and this uh, likely isn't their only child, right? They have other children they got to take care of. And they're, they're just like, I need to do it in the smallest in increments of time and as simply as possible and just tell me how to do it. <laughs> That's why when I first came out with my book, I was like, People didn't always have time to read a book, and I totally get that, you know? It, it, so it's like, hey, if you want to be walked through, you want the steps, and you want support, here you go, and offer for those who want it, you know? And yeah, it's it's been amazing. So yeah. That's great. I'm so glad you offer that. That's so helpful for people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, our programs sound like they really go well together um, because we do empower the parent and we honor the child. And, um, you know, you know, I know that the, the, the toxins in the gut and, and everything have to, the gut has to be repaired and, and healed so it can work properly so that the brain can function properly. And then you've got to get the toxins out and, and then you've got to really be able to, to you know, work with this, this, the sensory issues that are, that, are, that are left. But, you know, something like your program can definitely, those children are going to be able to do so much better when they don't have all of this, these toxins in their system. I, I definitely personally saw that with my own son. So that's why I really try to encourage parents, please take care of the, the toxic and the gut and the health issues as well, because otherwise it's really, it, it, it's, it's hard for them to do a lot of the sensory stuff that, that, that they're learning. And um, it just makes their life a lot better. And I'm all about holistic health. So everything is natural too. I mean, it really, should be about the whole person. The um, whole person. And you know, actually that brings up something so important, Karen, because um, that both when someone just takes your child and says like, just pump them full of these drugs, mm -hmm. or, or when they say, um, just, get, just send them to us so we can get rid of these behaviors that he's doing and get him to you know, sit at the table with his hands crossed nicely or whatever. Both of those are indicative of actually the same mindset, which is um, just, just fix the behavior. Don't actually look underneath that and figure out what's really happening and like actually understand the causes of things. Just stamp out the symptom. That's what you need to do. And so I, I love what we're both doing because we're both about like, hey, how about not stamping out the symptom? Right. Trying to like understand what's really going on with our kids and then addressing that. Mm -hmm. And they came in to be the different people that they are and everybody does. So why not honor people for who they are? Yes. Right. Yes. Honor it. And like respect who our kids are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear from adult people with autism who say that their parents beat them as a child and things like that. And it just, you know, parents are so distraught. They don't know what to do. The stress levels are insane and they need yeah. the hope. And sometimes too, it'll be, 
one parent is really working hard to help the child and the other parent might not be as supportive as doing those things. So that's where, you know, the support aspect and again, having the right tools, um, it helps save a lot of time and money in the long run too, because you're not sure to figure it out. Yes. Can I just say, just, you just reminded me of this. Another thing that we do that I think is so important is working with couples. Um, obviously we have plenty of single parents who come here. That's great. But when they're still, when they are still a couple and they're trying to make it work, but as you said, stress levels are through the roof and they're fighting and they're, mm -hmm. you know, all this, like having, uh, working on that relationship is also so important to the rest of what's happening with their kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I hear, I hear it from parents so often and in the divorce rate in with odd children of autism, the parents uh, is, is very high. And because of that stress level, you know, there's financial stress, people are taking second mortgages out on their home because they're trying all of these different things and they're not working and they don't. And then when parent will say, well, this isn't working. So why are you wasting your money or they can't get better? So that's why I appreciate so much what you're doing, Ron, because you are living proof. So is my son, but you know, me coming to people as a mom, they're like, well, is your son really that much better? You know, and he's, you know, he's got his own personal life. So I don't bring him into the, the sure. front you know, realm here, you know, and I keep this privacy a bit. So, you know, I tell people how, how he's living a neurotypical life away at college. He'll be 22 uh, in a couple of weeks and he's doing great. He is completely like you are fine. He, you know, it doesn't have residual aspects and all of those, those things, health, physical and behavioral are, are all, he, he's, he living, he's living a healthy, happy, normally fulfilling life. And that's what I want for all children, all people. And you have had that personal experience. You can, you've come out and said, I was that severely autistic child and now here i am so you know people are here here, here i am you look for your see for yourself right yeah. <laughs> you're yes. the best way for people to know yes this actually can happen you know? i think what happens is i you know i remember when i was a teenager i used to feel really weird about it because like you know i'm some like 15 year old kid and i'd meet a parent and they would like start crying when they would meet me right you know for some 15 year old boy who's like not super in touch with his emotions he's like whoa but actually <laughs> I, I'm so touched by it now because what it's saying to me when a parent, let's say, meets me and certain cries or, or hugs me or something, it's like what they're saying is they're seeing in me uh, what might be possible for their child. And it gives them like a, almost like permission to believe in their child, to hope for their child. And I'm like, I'm so honored to be, have any role in that at all. I'm, su I'm super honored about that. Right. Yeah. Again, yeah. That, that, that hope aspect and, but in a positive tone, you know, really just letting them know, yeah, it is possible. And, and that you're out there doing it. I, I'm, I'm wondering um, as an adult now too, when people, was there in that teenage realm when you were, people were approaching you, I, I don't ever want somebody to think I was broken and I got fixed or something was wrong with me. So how do you, as somebody who once had autism, think or feel about there? What do you have to say around that? Uh, well, first of all, I, I agree with what you just said. I, and I would, yeah, I, I, I'm not a proponent of like our kids are broken and they're messed up and we let's, mm -hmm. let's erase autism from the earth. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, I think actually our kids and adults have so much, uh, so many unique things to offer the world. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want that to disappear. Um, so, but, but here's my thought about this too. So 
you're you're talking about I'm just having a thought about this, it's sort of like um, this idea of fixing something that's broken. I, you know, I've had people who are uh, have Asperger's and who are highly verbal who say like, listen, I um, I want to I like how I am. I don't want to be cured, you know, cured and whatever, to which I say, awesome. Like, I certainly don't want to cure you of something, you know, it's not, not to even to be cured of. You, you have a, what, what they call now neurodiversity, right? You have your own way of processing things. You like that part of yourself. Awesome. Like, let's get behind that. Um, I, but I also think there's some differences with a few things. Number one, if a child's in excruciating stomach pain, that's not just like a neurodiverse issue. That's like, the child's in pain. Number two, if the child is, let's say, completely pre-verbal or mostly pre-verbal or even semi-verbal, then they actually can't express how they want to be in a way that we can understand. So I'd like to at least help them get to the point where they can communicate what they want in this world. And if what they want, once they can communicate is, hey, back off, I like all my quirky differentness and I don't want to change it, then I'm, I'm the last guy in the world that wants to change it. Mm -hmm. um, if that's if that's not what they want, I will say too. Though I also work with a lot of people who have Asperger's syndrome who actually come to us and say, um, you know, I don't hate how I am, but I actually do have trouble in a lot of these areas, and I actually do want help in in these areas. And it doesn't mean, look, if someone has trouble in let's say math, and you help them get better at math, you're not stamping out who they are. So if someone has trouble with social communication and connecting with neurotypical people and you help them with that, that's not stamping out who they are, right? right? And one of the things, that, I'll just say one last thing about it, which is, I always tell this when parents are first working with their kids. Um, when someone is simply has, on, they're on the spectrum and they're, they're the kind of on the spectrum where they're kind of in their own world. I'm, again, I'm not talking about if they have like stomach or headaches or things like that. But a lot of, when I, when I work with these kids, they're like, when they're not in pain, they're like really happy uh, doing all the different things they're doing. So I, I talk about this idea of like, we're not rescuing them from this terrible fate worse than death. We are trying to coax them across that bridge from their world to ours if, if they want to come. Um, but I think there's that, there's a sort of this, this thing to understand of like, um, we might have desires for our children. There's nothing wrong with that. Of course we have things we want to help our children with, but we don't need to look at them as sort of broken and like, ooh, in order to help them to be more part of our world. We don't have to sort of see, we don't have to look for deficiencies and problems in order to help them grow their abilities, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well put, because I, I know that I hear that from parents or I hear that from people with autism that are adults or, or Asperger's because they're so high functioning. But I always say, what? It, you know, if you can't sleep at night or you have anxiety that, that, you know, doesn't allow you to go out in public half the time, or you have, you know, you want to communicate better or all of these issues that you just talked about, all we're doing is trying to help people have the most optimum results possible for them so they can live the happiest, healthiest, and most fulfilling life. Sure. Because who doesn't want that? Right? Who doesn't want that? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Ron, before we wrap it up? Um, I'll just say one last thing. Uh, just one, one last thing on this, which is um, I do think there is a, um, there, there sometimes can be a little bit of a, like, uh, I'd call it like a national obsession with teaching kids on the spectrum 
um, academic stuff, you know, get, getting them caught up in math, getting them caught up in reading. And I'm certainly not against math and reading, right? It's not a bad thing to know that. That's helpful. But what I think ends up happening is um, we, we lose sight of a little bit of the bigger picture. So like when I talk to parents and they're like, they're alone at night or with their spouse and they're in bed and they're like praying for their child or thinking about their child, right? They're not praying, I hope one day my child's at grade level in math, right? I mean, they might want that, but that's not what they're praying to at one in the morning. You know what I mean? And, you know, there's things like, you know, I want my child to say I love you and really mean it. I want my child to have a best friend or a girlfriend or I want my child to laugh at a joke because she really thinks it's funny and gets why it's funny. And uh, I, I feel like that piece is like, um, that, that's our main, that in the Sunrise program, that's why it's a social relational program. That's our main focus. Um, that I feel like that's this kind of thing of, of like looking at um, instead of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole and sort of making a child, he, you know, he has autism, so he should at least, at least be good at math because he'll probably never be able to relate to people. So let, let's teach him math. Right. What about actually helping with these areas that kind of give life its richness and are also the areas that tend to be the most challenging for some of our kids? Yeah, Absolutely. Because they want to be able to go out and have friends and not just, you know, sit and do math. Exactly. Right. I mean, even with, right, with your, with your amazing son, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just that, oh, he can, he can get an A on a test, right? It's, it's the whole life that he has. Yeah. With, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Living an independent, healthy life. I mean, you know, for me, health is very important because you don't want to grow up with, gut issues anyway, you know, because definitely get more health issues in your, in your adult life. Uh, you don't want to grow, you don't, you want to know how to combat toxins, you know, naturally without drugs. You don't want to be put on psychotropic drugs to calm down your, your anxious feelings or your sensory issues or, uh, you know, whatever's going on. These, the drugs they're feeding these kids as their answer too is, you know, they, they cause them more harm. And, and, you know, if we can keep them off of those drugs and, um, and be able to, to, again, just, just be out there living a life on their own that they enjoy, you know, at, at whatever level that is for them. So yeah, honoring. So thank you very much for being here again. Yeah. Kaufman from the Sunrise Program Autism Treatment uh, Center of America. I will link to everything at naturallyrecoveringautism.com, where this podcast is released that we discussed, um, including my program as well. Yes, you have a question. Sorry, this is just really quick. Uh -huh. But just if you could also just maybe put a link to, uh, if someone wants it, my book, Autism Breakthrough. Yes. Because the thing about Autism Breakthrough is it's just, it's not a book that's about my story, which people have just heard in this interview. It's like a, it's like a how-to manual. If they want the initial techniques of, of the Sunrise Program and how to do them, there's like, 28 different techniques in the book then autism breakthrough is a book that they can just get and they they even have an audiobook version that has my voice on it so they, if someone wants that they can get that too it's called autism breakthrough nice yep definitely i will link to that yeah we've i think shared a lot of really great resources uh, i will link to my book as well uh, i have a step-by-step -step program in there too for the, the again, that biological aspect of it. so yeah um for people who want those answers and the how-to and all of that, everything I link to will be there for um, those listening. And if you are listening and you uh, maybe know other people who could benefit from this information, obviously from two people here in this interview who have 
seeing autism go from a diagnosis to no longer being diagnosed and being recovered and and hearing the resources that are available to people and that they're searching for, literally searching for. And it's a matter of, of us just reaching people with the resources that we offer. And people have the option to say no, but I like to know that people at least know that these resources exist because most people are looking for them. And they at least can look into them on their own and decide for themselves. So if you know people who could benefit from this, please share it. Share it on your social media, share it with your friends, share it at school with therapists and teachers and people. So, um, you know, link them to this podcast. They'll get all of this information. It's probably the easiest way. And it's going to be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com. Just click on podcast and, um, and you'll find it right there and um, be able to get all of the information that we talked about here to help your child or somebody else's child live to their optimum, get their optimum results and live a fulfilled life. Thank you again, Ron, for being here. I really for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Take care and we'll talk again soon. All right. You got it.